सहनावतु सहनावनतु पास्ट as a result of the fructification or the punya the virtues of many past lives that they discover a devotion in them and these four kinds of people worship me they are all virtuous ones but they are at the different stages of the development and therefore the way in which they worship me or the reason why they worship me is different आर्तो जिज्ञासुरर्थार्थी ज्ञानी चरतर्षभ आर्थ देर इज दिस ड्यूटी हु वर्शिप मी वेन ही इज इन ग्रेट डिफिकल्टी वेन ही इज नो वे आउट दैट इज वेन ही वर्शिप मी दैट इज वेन ही कम्स टू मी अर्थार्थी लेट मोर मच्योर देन हिम हु कम्स टू मी अप्रोच इज मी वेन ही वॉन्ट समथिंग to fulfill his needs jignasu yet a more mature devotee is the one who reach approaches me for jignasa for the for fulfilling the desire for knowledge he wants to know me <coughs> and that devotion ultimately matures into the devotee is called gnani the wise person who knows me as his very self उदारास्त्रवयवैते ऑल ऑफ दीज डिवोटीज आर एक्सॉल्टेड दे आर ग्रेट ज्ञानी त्वात्मैवमेवदम प्रेयर यू नो अंडरस्टैंड दैट दिस ज्ञानी द वाइस पर्सन इज इन नीड कंसीडर्ड बी माय ओन सेल्फ प्रियो हि ज्ञानिनोत्यर्थम अहम् सच मम प्रियः बिकॉज़ आई एम एक्सट्रीमली डियर टू दिस वाइस पर्सन दिस वाइस डिवोटी and he is extremely dear to me when he says when lord says i am extremely dear to the gnani to the wise person it means that whether everybody loves the self i love myself unconditionally i love many things in the world but my love for everything else is always conditional that love remains long as those things are being satisfy the conditions my conditions as long as they are agreeable to me and therefore that love is subject to change variation today i love something tomorrow i may not however my love for myself is ever the same unconditionally there and that dogyani knows lord as his own self and that is why he is also very dear to me everybody is dear to me it cannot be that someone is dear to god and someone is not because everybody is self but here is the one who knows himself as a self and there he experiences that love that i have everybody you know love everybody is object of my love but they do not experience that only because of that blocks that there are obstacles which are there so gnani is the one the wise person is the one because of the wisdom one has removed all the obstacles and therefore he experiences my grace in its total measure <coughs> he is dear to me this is what lord krishna says so this thought and what's the na- nature of the knowledge of this gnani nature of the knowledge of this wise person bahunam janmanamante gnanavan maam prapadyate lord krishna says after at the end of many lives gnanavan this wise person maam prapadyade he knows me how does he know me 
Vasudeva has Sarvamiti. So everything is Vasudeva. Everything is God. Everything is Self. Everything is Brahman. In that manner, He knows me. Samahatma Sudurlavaha. This Mahatma, this great soul one, is indeed very rare. This knower of Brahman, the knower of Self, so one who knows the Self as a Self of all, one who knows God as one's own Self, by God we mean the universal Self, one who knows it as his own Self. Meaning that he does not see the difference at all between himself and anything else. Sudurlavaha, he is extremely rare. So that is the most mature devotee. Meaning thereby that what we call bhakti or the devotion and what we call jnana or knowledge, both of them culminate into one. That which is the most mature state of knowledge is called devotion. And that is the most mature state of devotion is called knowledge. And therefore really there is no difference between knowledge and devotion in that sense. In as much as because bhakti yoga, so people believe that bhakti is a different yoga. Like karma yoga and raja yoga and so many yogas are there. So bhakti is a different yoga. But bhakti is my being. Bhakti means love, that's my being. And knowledge also is my being. And therefore, that is that is the what is the nature of the self. And as I said, love is something which is my nature. I don't, you know, it's not that. Uh, and knowledge also is my nature. That being the case, bhakti and jnanam, they culminate into one alone. Therefore, now in the last eight verses, in this twelfth chapter, Lord Krishna describes that most mature devotee, who is also the wise person. <clears throat> and what are his characteristics? So, this is a common practice in the scriptures, in the Bhagavad Gita we find, that in many places Lord Krishna describes the natural traits and the characteristics of this wise person or of we call the devotee in different he is called by different names. In the second chapter he is called Siddhaprajna, the man of abiding wisdom. In the fourth chapter he is described with reference to karma, the actions that he performs. In the twelfth chapter, in sixth chapter, in other chapters also he is described. In the twelfth chapter he is being described as a devotee. In the fourteenth chapter he will be described as the one who is who has transcended everything. So Gunatitaha. The same one is being described from different standpoints. And here, this Bhakta of the devotee, because this is a Bhakti Yoga, this chapter in which Bhakti of the devotion was primarily discussed. So when this devotion becomes more mature, most mature, then the devotee discovers him as God, as his own self. And this knowledge or this devotion, this wisdom, how does it get translated in his life? How does he look like? How does he conduct himself? What are his natural traits? What are his characteristics? That is elaborately described in these eight verses. And the reason for describing that is what is his characteristic? What is his natural state, trait, or what is spontaneously what he is, becomes the value for a seeker. So what are the lakshana? Or what are the natural traits of a wise person? They become the sadhanam, they become the value for the devotees. And therefore, when we read this, we should keep both of these in mind, that these verses describe the nature of the wise person. At the same time, it also tells us what we should strive to be in our life, so that we can also become like him. So let us read the thirteenth verse. Adveshta Sarvabhutaram Adveshta Sarvabhutaram Maitrah Karuna Evacha Maitrah Karuna Evacha Nirmamo Nirahankaraha Nirmamo Nirahankaraha Samadukha Sukha Hakshami and continuing next verse, Santushta Sadatam Yogi Yatatma Drahanishchayaha Yatatma Drahanishchayaha 
पितमनोबुद्धि यो मद्भक्त समे प्रिय सो दिस लास्ट वर्ड्स यो मद्भक्त समे प्रिय यह ईदृश है मद्भक्त है दिस डिवोटी ऑफ माइंड हु इज लाइक दिस डिवोटी ऑफ वेरियस कैटेगरीज बट द डिवोटी हु हैज मच्योर टू दिस पॉइंट समय प्रिय है ही इज डियर टू मी सो लॉर्ड गिव द सर्टिफिकेट टू दिस पर्सन दैट ही इज डियर टू मी इट्स ऑल लाइक दैट आई डिक्लेयर दैट गॉड इज डियर टू मी वन एंड ही सेज ही इज डियर टू मी दैट मीन्स दैट ही हैज मेड इट सो समय प्रिय है अद्वेष्टा सर्वभूताराम द वन हु इज नो हेटरेट फॉर ऑल बींग्स द्वेश द्वेश मीन्स एवर्जन और कल्मिनेटिंग टू हेटरेट अद्वेश लैक ऑफ एवर्जन लैक ऑफ हेटरेट अद्वेष्टा सो द वन हु इज नो एवर्जन नो हेटरेट सर्वभूताराम फॉर ऑल द बींग्स We also do not have hatred for some people, but here he has no hatred for all the beings, and those all the beings include what? Atmana, dukkha hai tum abhi. Even those beings who are a cause of pain or unhappiness for the self, even for them also he has no hatred at all. He has become totally free from aversion or hatred. सर्वाय भूता आत्मत्व नहीं पश्यति बिकॉज इज ऑल द बींग्स एज इज ओन सेल्फ सो वेनी नोज हुईट ऑफ द लिमिटेशन ऑफ द बॉडी और द माइंड और दिस इंटरलेक्ट दिस पर्सनैलिटी इन स्पाइट ऑफ इट्स लिमिटेशन इन स्पाइट ऑफ इट्स वर्च्यूज and in spite of its impurities in spite of all of that i still i am what i am meaning that i is never affected by the personality this is his first hand knowledge as to how in spite of the fact that the body is mortal the body is subject to birth and death but i am not subject to birth and death i the consciousness the very witness is not subject to birth or death or any change That the mind is a series of thoughts, a parade of thoughts, and all these thoughts are parading of different kinds of thoughts are there. Some thoughts are good, some thoughts may not be that good. And still, I am the very witness of the mind, illuminated of the mind, unaffected by the characteristics of these thoughts. So, one for whom this is the first hand knowledge, then he knows that for everyone also. the personalities being what they are and still the self that manifests through these personalities is unaffected by them it is ever pure it is sarvabhutasthamatmanam sarvabhutani chaatmani and lord krishna in the sixth chapter describes like yomam pasyati sarvatra one who sees me everywhere sarvam chamai pasyati sees everything in me so नरस्याहम प्रणश्यामी सचमेन प्रणश्यति आई नेवर गो आउट ऑफ साइड ही नेवर गोज आउट ऑफ माई साइड लॉर्ड कृष्ण से आई नेवर गो आउट ऑफ द साइट ऑफ दिस डिवोटी और दिस भक्त और दिस दिस वाइस पर्सन दैट मीन्स ही इज अ वन सो फॉर दिस डिवोटी फॉर दिस भक्त देन एवरीथिंग नथिंग बट द प्ले द मैनिफेस्टेशन ऑफ दैट वन प्रिंसिपल वन लॉर्ड वन सेल्फ it doesn't matter what the manifestation is when you know that this is just a play when you know that it is drama it doesn't matter what it is that means that all these so different variations this diversity is of no consequence this diversity is merely a matter of entertainment and not of consequence just as when i watch the play or when i watch the movie whatever it is in the movie however the actor is acting is of entertainment to me and not of any consequence to me Knowing fully well that this is just acting, that he is acting as a villain, he is acting as a bad person, and so even this, whatever it is, is all at the level of the costume, and not that he remains what he is. And similarly, also one therefore who knows that 
this diversity, the disparity, this variety is just a matter of entertainment, manifestation and not of any consequence. Thus one is not impacted by them. There is no dvesha. There is no reason for any aversion at all. There is no reason for any hatred at all. I may have aversion for somebody, a hatred for somebody, when I look upon that as a threat to me, as someone who inflicts pain to me, as someone who is, who is my enemy. But then nobody inflicts pain to him. He is not threatened by anybody. There is no enemy here because he does not see anyone is really essentially different from him. I cannot have hatred for myself. For hatred, you require two things. Number one, the one who is the, the object of my hatred must be different from me. At the same time, he must be also, he, he also must be a threat to me. But then here, he does not see anyone as different from him, essentially. And he does not find anybody threatening to him. That being the case, he is totally free from dvesha, totally free from all hatred, all aversion. Advesta sarabhutana, one has no hatred for all the beings. What does it mean? That means that he is indifferent to everybody. So when you say he has no hatred, you would think that he has no love also. He has no hatred, that means he must be indifferent to everybody. So Lord Krishna says, no, no, Maitraha. No, he is Maitra. That means that he is friend to all. That means he has affection for everybody. Not only that, he does not have hatred for anybody, but at the same time, he has affection for all, everybody. And that affection requires, again, that means he is not turned off from anybody. Nothing that is there in anybody's characteristics that turns him off. Because he is very clear in his knowledge that it is in, of incon, no consequence at all. That is of no, it doesn't matter at all what person's outer characteristics are, is of no consequence at all. That shows how much he must have grown in his, in his, in his, in his vastness of the heart that everything is fine, everything is accommodated. So Maitraha, the one who is Mitra, who is a friend to all. One with affection for all. <clears throat> but how can you have friendship for your for your enemy? There are, you know, so if suppose somebody is an enemy, how can you be friend of him? So Lord Krishna says, Karuna. So not only his friend, but he is also Karuna. One who has compassion for everyone. So when somebody misbehaves, somebody behaves like an enemy, somebody even behaves in a threatening manner, what kind of response arises from him? To retaliate against him? To become animal, animal to him? Says, no, no, karunaha. Oh, it only invokes his compassion. So even the enemy, what do we call the enemy? I mean, enemies also, they also invoke nothing but his compassion. So karunaha evacha, advesta sarvhutanam, Maitraha Karunaha. So Yoga Shastra teaches us how do we relate with people in our day-to-day -day life because when we relate to people, when we interact with the people, sometimes of course we are happy also in relating with them, but very often various kinds of feelings arise in us. Sometimes I find myself being jealous of somebody. Sometimes I find that I dislike somebody, that I have an aversion for somebody, or I compete with somebody, and these are kind of feelings that arise in me when I interact with people in my day-to-day -day life. So Yoga Shastra teaches us what sort of an attitude we should have with the different kinds of people that we come across. Maitri, Mudita, Karuna, Upeksha. So we are told there are four kinds of people. So people that we come across can be broadly looked upon as four kinds and that this is the attitude, these four kinds of attitudes is what we should have with them. Maitri meaning friendship. So when you come across people who are like you, so when I come across people who are like me, then 
the feeling, the attitude I should have is one of maitri, is one of friendship. Mudita. When I come across people who are better than me, usually I am jealous of them. When somebody is better than me, then I am jealous of them. He says, no, no. So Swami, what should I do? You know, he is my competitor. He is advanced and I am not. So naturally it creates in me jealousy. He says, no, no. Mudita, be happy. Congratulate him. If there is someone who has done better than I have done, whether I do it outwardly or not, I may not have the large heartens to go and congratulate him. Although they do. While they are playing, you know, the sports like tennis, etc., the person who loses congratulates the one who has won. At least that's the custom. Whatever happens in his heart may be a different thing, but definitely he goes forward and congratulates him. That I congratulate you, that you could achieve what I could not achieve. That, so I have value for something and I could not achieve that, but I find that you achieved it and therefore I am happy for you. How would that be? If I am happy for the people who are, who are better than me, then nobody can create jealousy in me. So it's called mudita. Mudita means happiness. So when there is someone who is superior to me, better than me, I congratulate him. Usually we condemn those people. Either we try to find some fault with them, either inside we feel jealous, but outwardly we think, even though he may be a very good person, very charitable, Swami, you don't know that. Yeah. This is all just show, nothing else. We were learned person, Swami, you don't know that. You know? So we like to see it that way. Well, I can't stand people being better than what I am. I cannot stand people who have achieved more than what I achieved. And what happens is, they somehow, create, they somehow bring about that inadequacy in me. What happens is, it is not that person whom I hate really. When I hate somebody, it is not the person whom I hate. What that person does is, it presses some button. And, and brings out from myself an inadequate self. So when he gets, he, he scores, you know, more points than I do, or he gets the first rank and I get the third rank, then by his virtue of scoring the first rank, he makes me he makes me see a person who could not do that. And so as it is, I have rather a low esteem about myself, and this is this nerve is touched. And therefore, I see myself as an inadequate person, as an incompetent person, as an incapable person. That's what I think I am. I try to forget, I try to overlook that point as much as I can. But then when he achieves, it becomes very evident to me. And so it is that inadequate self that I hate. I don't like that. In as much as he becomes instrumental in bringing up that self, so I hate him. It's not I him, I hate. It could be anybody in his place who makes me feel not good, who makes me, you know, who makes me feel uh, bad about my own self, who makes, um, who creates or who invokes the unacceptable self, the inadequate self. So basically all the complexes that are there in ourselves, they bring about the various responses. So here we are told, Mudita, congratulate that person. Be happy that he could achieve what he wanted to achieve. Maybe you can take inspiration from him. Maybe you can learn from him. Karuna, there are people who are not as good as I. People who are, who have not made it. For them I generally an attitude of snobbishness. Look at this fellow, he's stupid. He's dull. He's this, you know, this is how I look down upon them. So I have a tendency to look down upon people who are not as good as me. Says Karuna, be compassionate. Be compassionate to people who are not as good as you. Be compassionate to people who are not as privileged as you are. Then I have made it in my life that I achieved something, I need not take any great credit for that, it is just, it's just that I happen to enjoy certain privileges, I happen to enjoy a certain grace of God who has given me this body and the mind and this person, this, this upadhi, this personality and therefore I have achieved what I have achieved, maybe somebody is not as privileged as I am. That person did not have the benefit of the kind of education, upbringing, training and whatever that I had and that's why the person is what that is and therefore he does not deserve to be hated by me, karuna. Karuna means compassion. And there are fourth kind of people. 
who was Swamiji, he tells lies, he is dishonest. So what happens is when I follow dharma, when I follow, when I am committed to a life of dharma, righteousness, there is always, these people have a problem. That I am, or I want to speak truth, Swamiji, I am always honest, I am so and so. And that seems to cause a certain amount of pride or arrogance. That they hate the people who, who are not able to do that. And so I generally, when I see somebody who tells lies or is dishonest, then an aversion, a hatred arises in me. Says, no, no. Or an enemy, an enmity may arise in me. Or there are people who are positively enemical to me, let us say. The third kind of people, as I said, karuna, compassion, even to those people who are dishonest, even to those people who are wretched, for them also, rather than having any kind of hatred for them, have compassion for them. As we said, when a person tells a lie, or when a person is dishonest, it is not out of willingness, out of compulsion that the person does. That we should know. So when a person is bad, from our standpoint, it is not that the person deliberately wants to be bad, but it is compulsion. So, as we say, something compels him to, to be what he is. And therefore, have compassion. And those who are positively enemical to me, how about them, Swamiji? This fellow hates me. So, those people become indifferent to them. So, don't retaliate. Become upeksha. Upeksha means indifference. So, maitri, mudita, karuna, upeksha. If you remember this, this is great. Because broadly these are four kinds of people we come across. So friendship with those who are like me. Congratulations and happiness with reference to those who have achieved more than I have. Compassion to those who are not able to live up to the values that I have. And indifference to those who are enemical to me. Swamiji, he hate, I don't hate anybody, but he hates me. Be indifferent to that. <clears throat> or better than that, forgive them. Kshama, that, that will come here. Forgive them. And so these are the attitudes that Yoga Shastra teaches us. And these are very important in our day-to-day life because otherwise it keeps on creating reactions. As we come across uh, people, they keep on creating reactions in our mind and we, our mind gets polluted ultimately. So how to maintain that cheerfulness of our own mind? For that these attitudes are told. So these are attitudes. For this bhakta, for this wise one, for this devotee, the mature person, these have become the traits. Adveshta, Sarabhuti, doesn't hate anybody, even though they may be enemical to him. They may cause him pain, he doesn't hate them. Maitraha, his friends are friend of all. Karunaha, compassionate to all. Means he has a very sensitive heart. When he sees somebody in pain or suffering, immediately invokes the compassion in his heart. <coughs> and we see this of all the great people. As to how compassionate they would be. It, the, I just recently read a story about Ramana Maharshi. You know Ramana Maharshi would just be silent and sit there quietly and not say anything. Of course everybody experienced a great peace of silence in his presence. But then you would think that he is otherwise good for nothing. They don't do anything. Which is all right. Bhagavad Gita would have no problem with that, but some people have problem with that. Because they will always evaluate the maturity or the growth of a person based on what he does. So it seems that once uh, some Christian uh, priest came to Ramana Mahashi and said, you are all fake. What are you doing? Just sitting here and just claiming to be Bhagavan, claiming to be God and so on and so forth, and they said all kinds of things. So Ramana Maharshi says, okay, come tomorrow here at five o'clock in the morning. So these Christian priests, yes, they were very curious, they really were, they wanted to know what it is. And they presented themselves in the morning. Ramana Maharshi set out silently. He went out of his cottage and went away into some distance uh, and this was on the hills, in the mountain, into the forest, some place he went in and went to an, a, a small hut like place. He entered there and what did these people see? That there were two old people 
suffering from a disease, suffering from, uh, what shall I say, uh, the uh, Huh? Leprosy. leprosy, right. These two lepers were there, suffering from leprosy. So uh, Ramana Maharshi entered there, and what he did? He served them. He cleaned them, he cleaned his wounds, he gave them a little, you know, the mustard, uh, he gave them new clothes and everything else, and fed them, and served them for about 45 minutes, one hour. And these people saw that, so oh, this man is full of compassion also. This is their criterion. Their criterion is service. But they saw that this person had that also. That all that compassion was there for those who are suffering. So the traits are the same. Whether somebody appears to be doing a lot of activity or somebody appears not to be doing activity. But the traits are the same. Then they gave this certificate to Ramana He's all right. He's all right. So karma one who has compassion for every being. And so, uh, as we say, even if a person is outwardly bad, even if he is, uh, as I said, he may be animal to me, and even then there is compassion. He sees, he sees that what a person is, is because of compulsion and not because what, that is what he wants to be. Advesta sarabhutanam maitraha karunaha evacha Sarabhuta Abhayapradha Sanyasi Shankarajarasa is describing him. Sarabhuta Abhayapradha The one who, who, who uh, grants immunity from fear to everybody. Sanyasi, a real renunciation. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes he wears, the renunciation is, is, is one's own disposition of mind or one's own perception. So, he is a Sanyasi. Continuing the Lord Krishna says, Nirmamaha. Mama, Mama means mine. Nirmama. One is free from this idea that something is mine. One is totally free from the idea of Mamatwar ownership. He doesn't have a sense of ownership towards anybody. Dehepi Mama Yedi Pratyarahitaha. To such an extent that even his body also doesn't call mine. He doesn't call anything as mine. That means that he has grown out of a need of calling anything as mine. So when he calls something as mine, it is out of a need, understand? Because I look upon this as in some way the source of comfort. I look upon this as some way a source of security. So when something is a source of security, something is a source of comfort, then there is a need for me to hold on to it, to own it up, to possess it. So I possess many things. Why do I possess them? Because without them, I'll be insecure. So we become possessive of people also sometimes, you know. It all begins nicely, it begins with, with liking and love, and slowly and slowly it becomes possession. Because what happens is I discover a greater and greater comfort with that person, and I, I feel a sense of security with that person. And then it makes me insecure. What will happen? If I'm, I'm deprived of him or her, and if I hold on to that, that's how you become possessive. So relationships slowly and slowly grow into this possessiveness. Because there is an inherent need on my part to possess, because basically an insecure person, and whatever it is that provides me a sense of security, I want to hold on to that, that is why this mamakara, this possessing. So this mamattam or the need as the possession also, the sense of ownership also expresses certain need on my part. Here the person has become free from all needs. Prajahadiyadakaman sarvan parthamanogatan. So he is the one who is given up or who is free from all kamana desires or all the needs. And so, therefore there is no need for me to possess anything. You can say he possesses everything also. As it is said about Swami Ramatirtha, somebody asked him, how come you have given up your family? Wife, children, how did you, how come you have given up your family? Or why have you given up your family? So I can make the whole world my family, he says. And here also for him, therefore, he possesses everything, you can say. He does not possess anything, or he possesses everything. 
which means that he does not claim ownership of anything because there is no need. He has become not that he is indifferent to things. When I am not the owner, it doesn't mean that I am indifferent to it, I throw it away or I neglect it. That's not the point. That's what some people, that's the kind of lesson that some people get from this teaching. Swami, I am not the body, so why should I worry about the body? Hey, you take care of the body, but I am not the body. Just because you are not the body doesn't mean you should not take care of the body. I am not this clock, doesn't mean that I should not change the battery cells or something. You know, I can take care of things. This fountain pen I am not, but I still clean it whenever necessary. This motor car I am not, I still keep it in good order. So just because something I am not something doesn't mean that I have, I have to ignore it or I have to neglect it. And similarly also I am not this body, doesn't mean that I have to be indifferent to the body. I am not the body means that I should not get preoccupied with the body. But at the same time I can take care of it. So when we say mamakara, this mamatpum, the sense of ownership is purely in the mind and purely arising from a need. Need because of sense of insecurity and that insecurity also arises again from ignorance. He is free from that ignorance. They were free from insecurity. They were free from the need to possess and therefore free from the need of ownership. So nirmamaha, he doesn't call anything as his. No sense of ownership at all. That is freedom really. Because when I call something as mine, I think that I am deriving security, but in fact it causes enough equal problem also. Nothing can give me security unless it demands something from me. Nothing can give me something unless I also pay some price for it. As somebody says, this fellow built the house, you know. So in Gujarati they will say, he and a ghar means he built the house. And after building the house, then he himself is tied up to the house. Because now, you know, I can't, wait a minute, now I can't go out of the house. So how come you're not coming in the evening classes? Swami, there's nobody to take care of my house. <laughs> so until he, he, as long as he did not have his own house, as long as he lived in a rented place or an apartment, so long he was free. Now that his own house, house provides him security. At the same time, it demands something for providing. So anything in the world, when it provides me something, I have to pay the price for it. So Vinoba Bhava is to say that this man is a renunciate. He has renounced everything. Formerly he had 500 things that he possessed. Now there is only 5 things that he possesses. Except that all his ownership which was divided formerly in 500 things is now focused or concentrated on 5 things and then he holds on to them, you know. So it is not that merely by, by giving up things outwardly that I become, you know, that I become a renunciate or that I become free from the ownership. So it is not, when we say free from ownership, doesn't mean that he doesn't have anything. He may have the few things that he needs. But in there also he does not call them as his own. People fight for things otherwise, you know, even sadhus also may fight for things, you know, if you take something away from him. But anyway, here it is said to the extent that even the body also he does not call as mine. Even that also is a universal property. Lord Krishna teaches in the Bhagavad Gita there is no such thing as private property. <coughs> there is no such thing as private property as much as none of us has created anything. It is whoever has created is the owner of that. And God has created everything. He is the owner. Including this body, I mean, that is also a gift given to me. And my mind and my intellect, my sense organs, all of these are given as gift to me. I am not their owner, I am their possessor at this time. That is, I am the, you can call that I am the trustee at the most. This is a wonderful thing. Swamiji, that's it, that means that, you know, how do you feel? You don't own anything? Then, you don't feel good about it. Today I feel good because this is my house and this is my car and this is my thing and that makes me feel, feel good. It is now, one who has become free from the need to derive security from elsewhere. Nirmamaha, possessing, no, having no sense of ownership. I am not saying that we start doing this right away, you know. But the thing is that this is what I keep in mind. At least what we can do is, we can observe the various thoughts in our mind and see to what extent we have this, if nothing else. We need not do anything right away. But at least I become aware that huh, this is called ownership. I have this much. This is called dvesha, this hatred I have. 
And even though I should be compassionate, I just somehow nothing happens to me. When I see a person suffering, nothing happens to me. That means that lack of compassion is there. I become so, uh, my heart has become like a stone, you know, doesn't feel anything. Only when something happens to my near and dear one, then all my feelings come out until then nothing comes out. So we can observe this. And we can slowly and slowly work with ourselves. So, even this, what we call hatred, all of these hatred and anger and everything are the defense mechanisms that we have, we have gathered around ourselves to protect ourselves. As I was growing up from childhood, I found myself, you know, being subject, subject to being attacked by other people. I felt insecure and therefore these are the defense mechanisms that I've adopted. That if I don't get angry, then they are going to attack me, then I become angry. And if I don't strike back, then also I think I'll be, I'll be hurt, I strike back. So these kind of things I am doing, because I thought that that is how I can protect myself. Now we realize that all of those are things, are all negative things. And now we'll undo all the things that we have done so far. And it's not that we have done all of these or accumulated these things in this lifetime, it's all coming down. And so we have been accumulating all these negative things over a number of lifetimes because of our own inner insecurities. Now I realize that all of this is a burden to me. And therefore, Nirmamaha, Nirahankaraha, who is free from the Ahankara. Ahankara means ego, the pride. One is free from pride. Ahankara also means, of course, the sense of individuality. That's called the... So one is free from the individuality. But that's okay. Here we can say that nirahankaraha, one who is free from pride. Pride also is a need, it also expresses a need on my part to feel good about myself. So sometimes I say, well, he needs ego gratification. I need what we call ego gratification. Then when I feel good about myself, I, I suffer from a low self-esteem. And therefore, when my ego is satisfied or gratified, I feel good about myself. So pride also is a necessity. That unless I'm, you know, unless I'm, I have that pride, I don't feel good about myself. So pride also is a necessity. This person is free from pride also, because he doesn't need that also. He doesn't have to do, I mean, he doesn't have to claim something in order to feel good about himself. He feels good about himself as he is. Pride ultimately comes only when I identify myself with my personality. I am proud about what? My strength. That means identification of the body. I am proud of what? Swamiji, I am my achievements. That may be identification of my intellect. So whenever I am proud, that pride is, is, is arises on account of claiming some achievement that belongs to this personality. But here he is free from pride because he knows that all of these limitations and virtues belong to the body, belong to the mind, belong to the personality. And they being what they are, but I am what I am in spite of whatever be their nature. And so pride, he doesn't feel the need for ego gratification because that gratification has been now achieved from his own self. As Lord Krishna said, Atmaneva Atmanatushta. In fact, here also Lord Krishna says, Santushta Satatam. He is always content, he is always satisfied with himself. That being the case, there is no need to derive satisfaction from something else. And therefore, pride, which is a mechanism for deriving satisfaction from something, that pride also is not necessary. So we must understand that pride also is an expression of a need on my part. I need not hate this pride and possessiveness. I should recognize that this possessive sense of ownership or sense of pride, all of these appear in me as, as needs. They are in response to certain needs. It's only when I become free from the need that I'll be really able to become free from the pride and possessiveness. Not otherwise. I cannot will to become not proud. I cannot will to become not possessive. It is something that will be the result of the growth. That means that in order to become free from hatred, free from pride, I must grow internally. I must grow in my own inner satisfaction, in my own inner purity. So these things slowly and slowly drop off as we grow. However, what I can do is not to support them. When I find the pride arising in my mind, I resolve it, I understand, look mind, this pride also is false. 
It is only out of your own needs and inadequacy that the pride arises and you are seeking false satisfaction by identifying with something. In this I need not support that. So, nirmamaha. So we are pride about our profession, pride about our learning, pride about our strength, pride about our intelligence, pride about our accomplishments, pride about many things. Nirahankarha. One is free from any kind of a pride. <clears throat> but Swami, then you know people will just treat me as a vegetable. I feel that I must assert myself. That's what they teach you here. That's what I remember having learned. You must assert yourself. Otherwise uh, people will just take you for granted. Therefore I must assert myself. Then I realize that all this business, now how to undo all those things, you know. So this assertion, etc. is what I acquired in the professional life. And when I started studying Vedanta, then I found that all of this is, a, is all negative, tremendous burden to undo those things. It is so difficult. But anyway, so pride, then free. So pride also represents a certain need. When you say he has no pride, that means that he is free from the need that the pride fulfills. Advesha, hatred, also is a, is a result of some need on my part. So he's, all of these characteristics only tell us that he has become free from need. And I must also not look down upon myself because of hatred. I understand that I am a needy person, therefore hatred also is a need. Jealousy also is a need to feel good about myself, that's all. In some ways I should feel good about myself because I feel so bad about myself. I look down so much upon myself that I must have some reason to feel good about myself and therefore this way, all of this that, that I have, negative things, are nothing but the mechanisms that I myself have created or adopted in order to feel protected, in order to feel good. So pride, nirahankara hai, samadukha sukha hai. So one who is equal in pleasant and unpleasant circumstances, samadukha sukha hai. One who is equal minded in pleasant and unpleasant circumstances. We have been discussing that, that's called prasad buddhi, the pleasant and unpleasant. Both of these are nothing but the, the those which are created by God. You can look upon them as, as, as the karma as the gift of God. So pleasant and unpleasant. He's equal-minded because, again, I want the pleasant. I want to avoid the unpleasant. Because pleasant makes me feel good about myself. Unpleasant makes me feel bad about myself. So when something can make me feel bad about myself, then there is a need to avoid that. When there is something that can make me feel good about myself, then there is a need to acquire that. But if I feel good about myself as I am, then I don't need. So, he has become, that's all, free from need. That's the reason why he can maintain equanimity in what others would call pleasant and unpleasant. In fact, he does not even brand anything as pleasant and unpleasant. To him nothing is unpleasant. To him everything is God. To him everything is perfect, Purna Madha, Purna Vidam. He says that just nothing but order or fullness or harmony everywhere. It's unpleasant and pleasant are the uh, are the judgments that other people generally would have with reference to those situations, meaning what other people call pleasant and unpleasant in those situations also, or even in painful situations also, he is able to maintain the equanimity of the mind because in all of that he can see nothing but the play of the Lord. He can see them, all of them, as manifestation of the same Lord. And Kshami, Kshamavan, one who is naturally compassionate, accommodative, forgiving, kshama. So kshama, forgiveness has become his nature. He doesn't even have to make an attempt to be, to be uh, forgiving. Kshami means one who has become forgiving by nature. You know how they describe this kshama? Akrushtaha, abhihitova, avikriyaha. What is called kshama? Kshama is that trait of my mind where no reaction or no reaction, retaliation is created in me. When I do not retaliate. Akrushtaha, when I am abused. When somebody abuses me by, by words. Or when somebody hurts me physically. My immediate reaction will retaliate. 
But here, this person does not retaliate. It does not create a new sense of retaliation at all. So that's called Kshama. Total accommodation, total forgiveness. <coughs> I mean, we can discuss, keep on discussing each one of them for a length of time. But we have discussed it in the past and I am sure we will have opportunity to discuss them again also. But of course, Kshama is something very important. Kshama means forgiveness. Or rather, Swamiji would like to translate as accommodation. You see, when we translate Kshama as forgiveness, then it looks as though I am obliging somebody, you know, or, or, or forbearance. Kshama means forbearance. That means I am suffering from something. Somehow, the, when this word Kshama is translated as forbearance, then there is some, some kind of a bearing, suffering on my part. Or forgiving means that I seem to obliging other people in some ways. Kshama does not involve suffering. It does not involve obliging also. That is why it is translated as accommodation. That I see things for what they are. I understand where the person is coming from. I understand the person who is causing, inflicting pain to me. That person himself is suffering from pain. And so here is a person who is able to penetrate from the, uh, the facade of the outer behavior, the one who is able to see the person behind the behavior. And that's how the compassion is invoked. Because when anybody is hurting or anybody is abusive, it is definite that that person is having a lot of pain inside. It is only out of pain and suffering that a person is bad. When person is happy, nobody can ever be bad. I can never abuse anybody when I am happy with myself. I become abusive when I am not happy with myself. So when other person is abusive, immediately sees that he is not happy with himself. He deserves my compassion or my sympathy rather than my retaliation. That is how he has a sympathy for everybody and that's what enables him to accommodate. So that is Kshama. So in our value of values, many of these things are discussed. Kshama or Kshantihi or accommodation is one of the values discussed there also. And that is described how we should accept the reality of life that everybody has limitation. Nobody is free from limitation. And I am also not free from limitation. Just as the people put up with me, I also must learn how to accept their limitations. I must accept the whole package. The limitations as well as virtues. I would like to only have other person having all virtues. But unfortunately it doesn't come that way. The rose always comes with its thorns and I must accept that. Similarly also, whenever I relate to anybody, I relate to the whole person with the virtues and limitations. And I must accept them as they are. Our need to demand a change from other people, that they should change. So give them an opportunity, or create a condition to change if possible. But don't demand that they should change. And so this, this always nature on my part to demand everybody to change according to my needs or according to my demands, I give it up also. So that is Kshami, Kshamavan, meaning the one who always retains a frame of mind who is unperturbed regardless of how he is treated. He doesn't feel hurt or insulted because, as I said, he penetrates through the behavior and sees the person within and that's why he is able to display this attitude of Shama. Santushtaha <clears throat> Satatam He is ever content, is ever happy, ever satisfied. Basically ever satisfied with himself. Atmaniyeva, Atmanatushtaha Because he discovered the happiness or fullness with his own self. And therefore, ever content with himself, therefore ever content with everything. Santushtaha Satadam Although whenever we use it, then people always have a problem, Swamiji. If I become content with the way things are, how will there be progress? So you hang up with the progress. You know, so what will happen to the progress? Nothing will happen to the progress. All progress is need, you know, necessity, what is it? The invention, the mother of, necessity is the mother of invention, and so as necessities will arise, inventions will arise. You don't have to create necessities. He's free from necessities. He's free from need, because you find him self-sufficient. Your Atma is self-sufficient. And therefore, progress, as Swami says, is nothing but converting luxury into necessity. That's all we are doing. When we say we are progressing, means that we are increasing our necessities. We are increasing our dependence. That's all we are doing. He need not do that. I mean, we need not have that kind of progress. 
But anyway, so Santushta Satadam, one ever contend with oneself. And it's a false notion to believe that there'll be no progress because I'm content. In fact, when I'm content and I find happy with myself, my creativity will manifest itself anyway. It's not going to be stifled. But Satatam Santushtaha Nityam Dehasthiti Karnasya Labhe Alabhe Cha Utpanna Alam Pratyaya What is Santosha? Utpanna Alam Pratyaya One whose mind sufficient, adequate, paryapta. So when there is a feast in Rishikesh, when all the sadhus are being fed, you know, and you serve them, various things, including sweets, you know, okay, once, twice, three times, four times, four rounds are there, finally this is enough. Anybody will say enough. Some people will say enough in the five, fifth round, somebody may say enough in the sixth round, but sometime a person has to say enough. And when you, when you serve them laddu, say, don't give one, you know, give a few at a time. So they don't have to come here so many times, you know. But anyway, they have good appetite and they enjoy food. It's nice to see them enjoying food also. That's why people invite them to feed them because it's nice to see. But anyway, what is meant by alam is enough. Paryapta hoga. Puran hoga. You must know also when you serve. So when he says, Puran, so Puran hoga is enough, still you give them some. When he says, Mahapuran, then you know that's a signal now that you cannot anymore, you know. Mahapuran hoga. Alam, enough. So that sense that arises in me, enough. Not I have had enough, I am enough, you know. That is called santosha. Alam pratyaya, utpanna alam pratyaya. He is satisfied. Later on also Lord Krishna says, santushto yena kena chita. With whatever comes on his way, he is happy, he is satisfied. He finds everything satisfactory because he finds himself satisfactory. When I am satisfied with myself, I have no difficulty in being satisfied with everything else. Santushta satadam. One whose mind always dwells or one whose mind is always focused upon the self. Because that's what he sees. Yatre tramanoyadi tatra tatra samadeha. Wherever he sees, he sees only God and therefore his mind is always centered upon God. It's called yogi. Yogi is the one whose mind is centered upon the self or centered upon God. Yatatma. One who has uh, mastery over his mind, yatatma, because mind is very favorable. Mind is free for all the reactions. The only time I do not have mastery over my mind is my mind is reacting with lust or anger or greed or jealousy. So when these disruptive thoughts arise in my mind, it's not in my control. When these disruptive thoughts don't arise, because he's ever happy and therefore mind is always under his control. That is, he is a mastery over the mind. Yadatma, Dhranischaya, one whose ascertainment is firm, one who is firm in conviction, or one who is clear about the nature of the truth, nature of the self. Atma Tattva Vishaya, Dhranischaya, that I am, I am Satchit Anandaha, I am full, I am complete, that everything is Brahman, in this he is very firm, that means this has become the firm vision for him. So it's called Dhranischaya. Mayar Pitamano Buddhi. One whose mind and intellect are resolved in me, that is, whose mind and intellect are focused or centered upon the Lord. So in the beginning we were told, Maya Veshamano, no, Maya Manadhatsva, Maya Buddhim Nivesha, give your mind to me, let your mind be focused on me, let your intellect also be centered on me. So this has become natural. His mind and intellect are centered upon the self centered upon the Lord. Yomadbhaktaha, Samepriyaha, one who is a devotee of mine of this nature, he is dear to me. <coughs> so thus, in this way, Lord Krishna describes the traits, the characteristics of the wise man. So this is the maturity that comes as a result of wisdom. So then we call this wisdom. So knowledge or wisdom is when it brings about a transformation in ourselves. If it doesn't, that means that it has not been assimilated. So when the knowledge is assimilated, it brings about a transformation in myself. Basically, in my perception. In my perception of myself, as well as in my perception of the world. And I am as good as my perception. 
whatever my perception is, that's what I am at any time. And so that which brings about a total transformation in perception. So, and so this assimilated bhakti, assimilated devotion, assimilated knowledge manifests itself in this manner. Okay, we will continue in the next class at 10 o'clock. <clears throat> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantau Punakunaha Ishvaro Gururatmevi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Om